sweet, precious lady, and her grandson is a, uh, a vicar in the Church of England, mm -hmm. and kind of a pastor teacher, and he couldn't make it for her funeral. Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't tell the family. Mm -hmm. uh, I contacted him, I said, hey man, would you, would you share? Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, we, we made the thing work, and I, and I told the family, I got a special surprise for you, oh. and went, went and did this, and if you're mad at me, don't worry about it. No, they weren't mad. Uh, yeah. They were just, just seeing his face yeah. on the screen was. So I'll go ahead and start. So welcome back hey, to Living 67. Welcome um, back. I've got a, I hate, we're going to probably talk a lot. Back, getting back on topic, we'll get on to judgment and self-righteousness and all that stuff. But before we do that, <laughs> I'm going to say something that sounds judgmental and self-righteous. Um, <laughs> but I heard something that, it, almost like the way you like to start sermons with a joke. This yeah, is yeah. almost so bad that it's funny, so I think I can kind of get by with it. <laughs> That's my kind. I, I saw somebody on uh, YouTube this morning. It was a debate between a, a, the, uh, a theologian and an atheist uh, sort of kind of thing. And the guy says straight up, if... If you knew 100% that the gospel was true, right. God existed, Jesus was the son, all, you know, would you believe? And the guy said, well, I guess it depends. And he said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, it would kind of depend on, you know, do I agree with Jesus' teachings or not? And the guy stopped in his tracks and said, wait a second. Yeah. If you knew yeah. it was true, you would still debate it. You still, he said, yeah, it would depend on whether or not I agree with what Jesus' teachings were. Right. And you and still then, would, and then, and then that kind of is where we are as a society. I determine my own truth. That's it. That's you what know they this said. is true, yeah. but you're wanting to determine your own truth, and that's that's at the very heart of every man, yeah. uh, of every sinner, if you will, and all of us are that. And so, yeah, we we want to determine our own, and that's where you know the the term absolute truth really uh, came to light early '90s. And uh, people were saying, well, no, because my truth is not the same as your truth. Well, no, you know, if I, if I punch you in the face in this society, it's just as wrong as if I'm over on the other side of the world and I punch you in the face. That's, yeah. that's unacceptable. There, there are things that are universal, absolute truths that, yeah. And so this is an absolute truth. If this is an absolute truth, what, what Jesus says, then we, we've got to stop and think about it because yeah. you can't determine your own. Well, I think that you're right. I mean, in our society now, there's always sort of been like the, that kind of theological debate of where pe you know, people want to prove or disprove God and things like that. That's only part of the battle at this point. Even if you right. could prove it, there are some people that think that they're higher and mightier That's than right. even a God is, than the, the Almighty God. I mean, it's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and look, not to get into you know, hot, hot, hot button yeah, topic yeah. issues, but, but let's face facts. I mean, I, I mean, you look at the world and you got to say, okay, male and female, that's pretty. But I can come today and say, you know what? Today, you know, I'm Shania Twain. I feel like a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, I'm a cat. I identify as a cat. Mm -hmm. what, where, on what planet is that? You know, When I heard someone marry, I think someone actually tried to marry a tree. Yeah. I think yeah. when I heard that one, that was the one where I kind of threw my hands up and said, I think I'm out of this today. It, yeah, it's, 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 it's when you really look at it, if you go at it with uh, just any kind of intellectuality whatsoever and just common sense is, right. well, this is, this is ludicrous. Yeah. This is, you know, way beyond, you, you can't make this stuff up. No. And well, th that's the thing. It's one thing to debate some things that could potentially yeah, be debatable. Yeah, uh, yeah but, something written But are we really going to debate the color of the grass in the sky now at this point? Like, how, how, many, how far yeah. do we have to take this? That's right. That's right. So, kind of on that, Book of John is going to monopolize my thinking probably in this show. Because I've, I've probably knocked out the Gospel of John faster than any gospel I've uh, ever... <laughs> 
and it's not my first time reading it, but man, it was really, I got into it big time. And well, it reads easy, and it's, there's a reason that uh, the Gospel of John is a, is a gospel that you, if you win someone to Christ or if they're brand new in their faith, check out the book of John because it's written and, and well written. I mean, gosh, I think about all the things that, that John does, whether it's comparison of light and dark or, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a well-written book that you just come away with. The more you, the more times you read it, the more you see, well, I didn't see that the first time. I mean, it's, you, you can tell it is divinely inspired. Well, as I start to, I, before when I've read scripture, it's been that legalistic, I need to read it. Just got to do it. Right? But as I really try to dive into the heart of it and, and the relationship side of it, I'm getting to know the characters. I mean, I love Paul right. and, and <laughs> that, that, that mentality. I'll tell you what, John, I'll tell you, that brother had ADD. He did, because he repeated himself <laughs> over and over and over. And it's like, I don't know if I said this or yeah. not, but it bears repeating, so I'll say it again. And it's one thing, like he says something one time, maybe in the book of John, and then again in First John. No, no, no. no, no. There's sometimes just back-to-back verses yeah. he says it again. Just like, let me say it a different way. He just wants you to, <laughs> just, yeah. It's and, ADD, uh, adult, uh, di- uh, adult disciple, and i got to come up with another. <laughs> he, he's making disciples. He's just he making is. sure you get that, that down pat, because... I think it's kind of like what we talked about on the 167. You know, we, we've said at the beginning when you, we started this was, okay, I, I envision we getting steps each week of what we need to do, five mm-hmm. steps to do this. Yeah. But but really, when you look at it, John is really kind of doing, he's boiling it down to, no, it's about believing, mm-hmm. it's about obeying, and it's about loving. I mean, I can't tell you how many times he repeats or he writes, and Jesus did this showing love. Or I, I might Jesus tell you how many because yeah. I actually did that this That's morning. It. And then, <laughs> then you go to First John, and he does it all over again, which, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you say you, you uh, love God yet hate, hate, you, hate brothers or hate men, you're a liar. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he is constantly going to be on loving and obeying, mm-hmm. and it comes from believing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to summarize the whole book, it kind of comes down to um, – Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world from judgment. Okay. Um, three sixteen, three seventeen. If you believe in Him, then that's a free gift. Right. Love one another. Mm-hmm. Love one another, and, and don't forget to love one another. Yeah. He hits that one a bunch Repeat of times. Um, and then ask anything in His name, and you you shall receive it. He hits those three things pretty pretty heavily, and then you added to that abiding in Christ. Yeah, I think I think that's one. Now He doesn't use the word all the time, but when you get to like John fifteen. And he talks about the, I'm the I'm the vine and you're mm. the branches. And if you abide in me, you bear mm. much fruit. Well, this loving and the obeying and all that that's fruit. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 he really takes you to what's the secret? Yes, believing that believing is going to change your life. But how do you, how do you live out what, who mm-hmm. we are? And that, that comes from that abiding, staying close to, staying connected to the vine, if you will. Yeah. So as I. Sunday when I finished reading it, mm-hmm. um, I think I ended up reading the entire book in about three sittings. Because every time I sat down to read it, I can usually read about two or three chapters. And right, that's about right. it. I was knocking out six or seven at a time before I'd be ready to, to get up and go on. So when I finished it Sunday afternoon, I was a little scatterbrained when I was texting you sort of the themes of it. And then this morning, I kind of sat down and I almost scatter plotted it a little bit. I said, okay, I've got all these notes of, of verse, key verses yeah, now. This something that spoke to me. Let's see which ones fall under the judgment category, which ones fall under the abiding and the loving and the asking and receiving, and started to sort of keep inventory of this a little bit. And it was really interesting to see, I guess, it, there are some key verses on judgment, 
Right. That I think if you say judgment and church in the same sentence, <laughs> the first thing I'm going to think is hellfire and brimstone. This yeah. is where we're going to go with it. That or other people looking down. Or on other me. people looking at you. Right. That is not at all what I mean by that, right. by, by saying judgment. John three seventeen through 20 is the first one I texted the other day. Yeah. I said, boy, that's one that's lost in the shadows of 316. Yeah, well, 316 is such a big, big, yeah, cast a huge shadow. Huge shadow. Yeah. Um, 317 basically says Jesus didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world from judgment. All right. Okay, and then it goes on from yeah. there. And if you really look at 16 and 17, 16, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. If you look at it, it's almost like it's rewording of 17. It's just, mm-hmm. I've always thought, I like the way 17 reads almost better than 17. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, 17 versus 16. You like yeah, 17? 17 yeah. better than 16. And I remember being a, a young boy, having to memorize both of them and thinking to myself, I like 17 better than 16, even though 16 is, you know, oh my goodness, if that's the uh, Mount Rushmore of verses, that's probably one of them. But then you get, there There are some places that it can start to seem to contradict itself in a way here. And I get to like okay. John 5, 22 and 23. Okay. okay so there he says, um, uh, yeah, he gives judgment to the son. Yes. Yeah. yeah there you go. So he, he says that. Even the father doesn't judge. He gives the judgment to uh, you know, to, to the son. Right. So he says he didn't come to judge. Then right. he says he did come to judge. <laughs> then in 8, 15, and 16, um, that was one of my favorites, the way he worded it. He basically says, I, even I didn't come to judge you, but if I was going to judge you, I'd be right. right. Is that kind of the way? I think you're right. <laughs> and I, a, think, I think it's one of, no, I didn't. The Son of Man did not come into the world. Jesus did not come in the world the first time to condemn it, to judge it. No, he came to offer a, a way out of judgment, a way out of condemnation. Now, is there going to be a day when there is a judgment? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think I think maybe, maybe the best way to think about it when it says, uh, didn't come to judge now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's the best way to put it is, but there is going to be a day when we'll have to give an account. And uh, at the same time, that's not why Christ came the first time. Um, and and that's, that's the good news of the gospel is, hey, he, he came to be the way, the truth, and the life. So here's your ADD for you. I'm trying to figure out why none of these verses are matching up. I'm in the wrong book. I, ha- I was marked in Luke. Um, <laughs> so that's why these things aren't lining up. So yeah, 939. I, this is the uh, New Living Translation, so it reads a little bit differently. Okay. Um, but 939 is another one that I kind of said, it kind of goes backwards the other way. Um, it says, I've come to judge the world. I've come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are actually blind. Mm -hmm. So you kind of go back and forth. 317 says he didn't come to judge. 522 kind of sounds like he did. 815 says he didn't. 939 (laughs) says he did. So you you think that's really kind of getting it? No, not this time. Right. I will come back, and I will yeah. come back to judge. And, and I think too. I think each one of those times, uh, look at the context of what he's talking about. Uh, when you mentioned nine thirty nine, uh, you're looking at he's talking to some Pharisees, mm-hmm. and may, maybe they just needed to know, hey, you are blind. I'm letting mm-hmm. you know you're blind, even though you think you can see. And so there's there. I think a lot of times he's throwing that judgment around so that hey, I'm trying to wake you up to that. Especially I think nine chapter nine would be that. Is, in particular, mm-hmm. yep. but the gen- I think that the important thing, if I were going to look at judgment in the world, the, the world seems to to read. Well, I, I might want to save this for later. I don't know if I, if I, where it would fit the best, but I'll say it now while it's on my mind. I think the world hears the gospel and hears Jesus and hears Christianity as Jesus came to tell the world what we were doing wrong and to tell us if you don't stop doing these things, you're going to end right. up in hell one day. Right. And I think that the reality of it is. So much different than that. Sure. As you get through what the, to the heart of what he was 
was, was really getting at. Because as I said in my text to you the other day, we get that sequencing so so wrong. We think we have to do all these good things so that we can get to go to heaven one you day. It. It's not that we do all these good things so we can get to heaven one day. We get that, that gift for free. That's you right. You can't it's earn it because you can't earn something that's freely given. That's right. It's your appreciation of that free gift that then inspires you to love yeah. and to treat others this way. And, 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 and the change that he makes. You're right. Right. That's right. So getting into some, that, that kind of pins, well, actually, no. So then there's some other verses that I've got under the, uh, the John, in the judgment category. Uh, John 12, 47, 48 mm-hmm. addresses judgment. First John 1, uh, 9 and 10. And then First John three twenty one. So look, I'll jump to that right now because as I'm going through, I've, I've taken inventory sort of on this page here of all the key verses that fell into one of these categories. Um, loving or abiding, I kind of would treat as maybe one category because if you're abiding yeah. in Christ, I, I think you're right. Those go together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know if it's not literally verbatim. Ask anything in my name and you shall receive it. He seems like that verse is just repeated over yeah. and over and, and I, over. I think especially when you get to, and again, as I, sh- I shared with you, John is an interesting book. Of the first 12 chapters, I mean, it's three years of his life. Yeah. Then from chapter 13 to the end. So he slams the brakes. I mean, he, he basically, he puts it in a crawl. He's in a traffic jam, and it's the last week of Jesus' life. Mm-hmm. And there are some things he says, especially starting in verse 14. He's told his disciples he's going uh, he's going to die, he's going away, and he's going to send the comforter. And then John 17, high priestly prayer. But there are some things he says in John 14, 15, and 16 that truly are some of the most, um, I believe, eye-opening and really uh, equipping uh, verses in the Bible mm-hmm. from from how we pray. And again, it's from the Holy Spirit, and I think it goes back to, and we've talked about that, of, of what it means to have his wants and his desires be your wants, his desire, or his your desires to change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it becomes, okay, now I'm going to begin praying, not for frivolous, but, but praying according to what the kingdom is and what, what God would want. Yeah, and I think the Holy Spirit's another topic in John that was very eye-opening to me. Uh, yeah. John 16, yes, verse sir. 7, mm-hmm. and then there's another one in 14 and 15. Um, and I don't, again, don't have it memorized, but your John 16, 7 is, yeah. but it's actually to your benefit that yeah. I go away. Because yeah. we're going to, and I, I know we've talked before about the different translations. I went through and read. Um, hop back and forth between different translations. The King James will call it the Holy Ghost. Right. right. The New American Standard calls it the Holy Spirit. Um, the New Living Translation calls it the Counselor. Right. Um, there's another version that calls it the Advocate. There's a lot of different words that it uses to describe the Holy Spirit, depending on the translation. Right. But yeah. New American Standard is the Helper. The Helper. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a really interesting thing about that is that. That's where that faith comes in, because mm-hmm. if you have that faith, and, that, and and I said to you that if you wanted to kind of summarize that one part of John where it's, he's, he's basically saying, he's making the case for Christ, right, and saying that, you know, I could fill, probably couldn't fill up enough books with all the different ways that I could prove it, but... Rather than me continuing to write and write and write about all the things that I could write about to prove it, right? If you'll just have your own faith, it, yeah. you'll get your own proof. Yeah, and that's that's the very purpose purpose verse of the John. I I love it. He 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 point blank most of the time letters Paul he'll say this is why I'm writing, mm-hmm. uh, but but John he makes no bones about it. John twenty thirty five he says I'm writing these things that you may believe, mm-hmm. and by believing, have life in His name. 
and you know believe that he is the Messiah, the one who has come from the Father, and by believing have life in his name. And it's the Holy Spirit that that provides that. You can read the Bible mm-hmm. and read the words that Jesus spoke. That might give you a tie to a, re- a relationship with Jesus, right. but it's it's not a personal living relationship no. just from reading the words that he said 2,000 years ago. That's right. Same thing with God and, and the Father uh, figure of the Trinity, if you will. But that Holy Spirit is that personal relationship connection. That's the thing that's it living is. and breathing in you. Well, and, and even Jesus in John says, no one comes to the Father except the Spirit draws them. Right. I mean, the Father draws them, but it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to convict, and that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. When you go through John 16, you'll see that he is there to convict the world of sin, meaning he shows sinners what's wrong. He, you know, he's there to remind us of what Jesus taught. He has three three things he carries out there, and that one of those actions is, you know, if, if a person comes to Christ born again, that's the Holy Spirit working in his life mm-hmm. because we don't just up and go to the Father. No, the Father draws him, and it's the Spirit that speaks to our spirit that helps us to see the truth. Well, and one of the things that I've really learned a lot from this podcast and, and yeah. having these conversations with you is that you don't control that as a human. You can't make the Spirit. You can't connect with the Spirit on your own. You can. Right. I can sit there and pray and pray and pray and beg and beg and beg, but the Spirit comes when it's when when it's when when God. By God, by God, when God provides you that Holy Spirit through His grace is when you can... Right, when exactly. And then, then when you are saved, uh, the Scripture says that you are indwelt by, empowered by, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so you have the very Spirit of God living inside of you. And that's the thing that uh, you know, I, I, I hope to stress in my preaching is this is not me trying harder. Mm-hmm. It's me dying more and the Spirit being alive more. And so with the Spirit living inside of you, that's where the he begins to produce in us the fruit of the spirit. We walk by the spirit, Galatians five, and then we'll you know not carry out the desires of the flesh. So yeah, it is the Holy Spirit that is the really it's the whole key to Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's why when Jesus says it's to your benefit, I go away. Yeah, because Jesus is and I'm not taken away. Just don't don't get mad. Don't uh, send me letters. <laughs> Jesus is in one place at one time. Mm-hmm. And he is fully God, fully man, yes. But he is in one place at one time. Now, when he dies and sends the Holy Spirit and is raised again, the Holy Spirit comes, now he's in every believer. Mm-hmm. That's, that's worldwide coverage. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, that, that, yeah, now you can see why it's to our benefit. So you said the New American Standard calls it the helper. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what I would have read on my phone. When I'm reading, I'm reading New American Standard. I've got so many different versions. The, the helper, but, the, usually the word there, and I have to go back and look at, in the Greek, it's, it's, it's usually pneuma, or like we get pneumatics from that, mm-hmm. air, wind, uh, spirit. Uh, but sometimes it can be uh, the word for advocate or someone who comes and helps. Comforter is a great translation of it. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that he, and I mean, that's one of his names, and that's what he does, is he provides comfort to us in our uh, time of hurt, our times of struggles, no matter what struggle it is. And I think that's one of those that if you just say, refer to it as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, as the King right. James does, okay, what is that? I don't know yeah. what that, Helper gets right down to the heart of what it's, he, he, what he does. That's what he's here to help, but he, yeah, that's what he's doing. Um, I like that too. <clears throat> I think it's a really cool aspect of it that I just never really thought of it that way. It's like, it, it helped me to kind of pin down, oh, that, yeah, okay, that's where this relationship's coming from because it's an ongoing helper. He, he's, he's there, your advocate, your helper, your counselor, whatever, where you want to use it. But you don't get that from the Holy Spirit necessarily. You don't necessarily know that that's what 
Right. Holy Spirit's a little bit more symbolic sounding almost or metaphorical sounding kind of thing. Helper's a little bit more literal sounding, yeah. I guess. I think it is. And I think it's one of, and the, and the beauty of what the Holy Spirit does, he never wants to draw attention to himself. Right. He is always pointing to the Son. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the things you mentioned earlier that when you read now, it's a different type of reading. It's mm-hmm. not reading for academic sake. It's not uh, read a verse a day, keep the devil away. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is, no, I, I am growing in this, and the Spirit speaks to our spirits, what Romans says, and, and helps us to know that we are children of God. The mm-hmm. Spirit speaks to our spirit and helps enlighten us that we can understand Scripture. And when we come to it and we're like, whoa, you know, I never saw that before. Or, man, it's taking me deeper. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. It's not an intellectual knowledge as much as it is. No, it's a spiritual. And I think that goes back to, you know, I, I think, and I don't want to be one of these uh they're called mystics that put so much emphasis on the ooh the spooky stuff that's out there. Yeah. At the same time, we got to be real. This is spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. We're talking spiritual battles. We're talking the spirit of God living inside of us. That yeah, the, these things that we we face, yeah, we need that Holy Spirit because we're, we're battling um, spiritual forces in unseen places, as Ephesians says in Ephesians six. Yeah, and I think that's the. Um yeah, it, it's definitely spiritual, and you can't mm-hmm. ignore that. And again, you don't want to make it sound like we're talking about astrology here, or right? Something, or or something, something, you know, something crazy like that. But, but it is, it is spiritual, but it's also very, very real. Exactly. It, it, you know, it's not this. This is not make believe. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, out. and if you, I think maybe the, if you wanted to kind of paraphrase that part of John. I can write as many books as you want me to write to prove that it's not make believe, right. or you can see for yourself. Yeah, but and, and and even that seeing for yourself is going to require the spirit to get to that place of okay, now now I have that faith, I believe it. And he's very direct about the where you said abiding, and I said loving. Mm-hmm. It, it all kind of goes. I mean, I've got okay. Here's here's my block of things that cover one of John six forty eleven forty forty one forty two sixteen thirty three. First John two five and six. First John two twenty eight twenty nine. First John three twenty three twenty four twenty twenty nine. Like it's and that's just half of it. Then you got ten sixteen thirteen thirteen. It's over and over and over and over. Yeah. What's one of my favorite ones that I've been okay. <laughs> think about this. This is one I thought about a lot here lately. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first yeah. my kingdom, my yes, righteousness. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, what is his kingdom and righteousness? John tells it pretty pretty clearly what his kingdom is, what his will is. Exactly. Whenever I read, I don't remember which word. I think it's um, whenever I read God's will or the Father's will or the will of the Father, I'm going to perk up a little bit. Like that's what I want to know. What is the yeah, Father's what will? Is it? Because it's that's a. Ask anything in my name and you shall receive it. Well, I, we've talked about that doesn't mean ask for a million bucks and you'll get it. It yeah, means tomorrow. ask for, you know, it's aligning yourself with God's heart. Well, we don't always know what God's heart is because he might want this, he might want that. And that's where I've said right. I kind of get tricky trying to ask for things too specific. But if you want one that's a universal truth, he wants everyone to come to him. Right. That's his desire. That's God's will. And I'd say pretty closely tied to that, if it's not directly quoted in Scripture, it's definitely implied. He wants us to love one another. 
Right. That's yeah. God's will. I think, I think that's a, that, yeah, from, from the way John talks about it. And I think, I think um, you know, going to someone else, Paul, that he writes, this is God's will for your life, your sanctification. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big fancy word for sanctification. It starts with salvation, but then it's our maturation or our growing in Christ to become more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's ultimately God's will for our life is that we would be conformed to the image of, of his son. Mm-hmm. That we would, and what what... No, no greater love does a man have than lay down his life for his friends. Love. Well, if we're going to be like Christ, then we're going to be loving. If we're going to be like Christ, we're going to be serving. The, all those things go into that that you can begin to see. Oh, okay. So that's that's what he's getting at there. There was, some, there was something from church Sunday oh, yeah. that I kind of pivoted towards. I had a good time Sunday. That was a, uh, that's a great text. And, uh, man, I, all week long I've been biting at the bit for that one. It was uh, the, the – no it doesn't way. say who, the it's center. The, it's the, the wayward woman. Yeah, the, the wayward, wayward woman. Center. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know her name. We don't, we don't really know what she did for a living. Right. <laughs> yeah. But everybody else did. Yeah, <laughs> everybody else seemed to know what it was. So here's the interesting thing about – I didn't really understand what Pharisees were until recently as you've been talking a little bit more about what yeah. the Pharisees were. I mean, these were your high – High and mighty holy rollers of the day. They did everything by the book. Mm-hmm. And when I think of the sinners, I kind of think of the modern day types of uh, you know, the, the uh, I'm trying to think of the examples, but the murderers, the thieves, yeah, the, yeah. the gangsters, the thugs. The, now, these were not necessarily, when you described a, what a tax collector was at that time, it's like, okay, that's the IRS. Yes, I don't like them, right. but I mean, they're not the worst of the worst. Right. No, when you described last week the way that process worked, it's like, okay, well, no, that was the Wall Street guys, basically. Yes. And then when you start talking about the lady in, in this week's text, okay, if you've seen the Wolf of Wall Street, that's basically <laughs> who we're talking about in yeah. all of this. Right. You've got the Wall Street people and you got their the females they were partying with. If you Maybe, will. I don't know about that far, <laughs> but yeah, I can see that. Well, basically, here's what I would say. Because the Pharisees were who they were, they were a religious group, uh, they, they had a lot of power. Uh, as you've seen, you saw in the book of John several times that they had the authority to throw someone out of the synagogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, yeah, John 9, several other times. And, and so they're a powerful group. Uh, they, they, they as, as they started out originally, they were not bad guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wanted to preserve the purity of the Jewish nation, the Jewish religion. They had seen themselves go into exile, 586 B.C., and when they got back 70 years later, they wanted to make sure we're gonna we're gonna make sure our, our folks follow after the law because that's what sent us into exile. And so they were very much started off as on the right foot. They just began to add more and more of the man made laws and began to make it more about um, uh, self righteousness, a looking down on others. And you had to. And so when I say sinners. It really is, honestly, anybody that they, I hate to say, they would say, mm, you don't go to the synagogue enough, or you don't do this enough, or you don't, uh, you, you're picking grain and eating it with your hands, you don't wash your hands enough, you don't mm-hmm. do these things. And so sinner would really be anybody that's not as good as they are in their, in their mind. Now, what the Bible's talking about a sinner is, hey, anybody that's broken God's law, which is all of us, 
and I think it was this past Sunday that you explained, yeah, Pharisee meant separated one yep, from Yeah, that's sinners. the very word itself in yeah. Greek. So I didn't realize it. So, so that's, that was their whole thing is you have to stay away from sinners. If you get close to a sinner, you're going to get almost sinners like a guilt by association. anything unclean, dead animals, that's unclean, so don't go near that. Uh, certain foods, don't go near that. I mean, it, it really was a, a life of... And I want to say, gosh, you, you talk about it, it kind of is a uh, self-discipline of I can't be around that, 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 and that. And I'm going to avoid those things and those people and those certain situations, and therefore I'm holy. But holiness is about a heart, heart condition. It starts on the inside where they were making it more about the outside. They see that when Jesus talks to the Pharisees, and oftentimes he'll say, you know what, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones. So so don't don't kid yourself into thinking you're holy you just you just got a good show on the outside, but inside you you you're rotten. Well, and I know we're we're migrating a bit from John, and I'll get back to John. I think here in just a minute. But from Sunday, these are some of my notes mixed in with direct quotes from you or direct right. things from the, the service. But this invitation the Pharisee extended to Jesus to come over for dinner wasn't exactly the most sincere invitation of like come over here and let's hang out. It was more of a get over here and let me see what you're yeah, really all about. It really was. Uh, it was a. It was, he was checking Jesus out, mm-hmm. uh, and and the reason I say that is one. He wasn't received as a guest. Uh, as I said, the, there are three things that you would do when a guest came in your house, wash the feet. You would give them a kiss, uh, the Middle Eastern kiss, and then you might anoint their head with oil. That's saying, man, you are me casa su casa. And he didn't either. Uh, then on top of that, you know, as, a, as, as you know, pointing, pay, uh, what happened was the lady came in, Jesus is eating at the table, and she begins to anoint his feet. And lo and behold, you know, he blows a gasket and he does what Pharisees do best, judge. I'm going to judge her and I'm going to judge Jesus because, Jesus, you wouldn't let her be doing that. I have one just random question. It's not that important. Why did the Pharisee not just kick her out of his house? <laughs> I think it was one of he probably would, would have. Uh, I think he would have. I think one is if you stop and think about it. What was the Pharisees' mo in this? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to see what Jesus is about. Oh, oh, oh I got evidence. Well, so if I kick her out, if like, I how, kick how her did out, she get into the party. If the Pharisees well, trying to keep yeah. away all sinners, and how did yeah. she get in? Well, <laughs> I think it's one of for the Pharisees at that time. It was not. You didn't do much cooking on the inside. Uh, mm-hmm. For one, it heats up the house so much that it gets already gotcha. a thousand degrees over yonder, <laughs> yeah. and uh, so you don't do much cooking on that on the inside. So you did on the outside, and oftentimes you'd eat on the outside. There was a little courtyard area, and look, it kind of goes back to think about the Pharisees' mindset. Yeah. They oftentimes would have like an open courtyard in their homes, so that when they had these dinner parties, people were welcome to come, especially if they were going to be discussing deep theological issues. Yeah. So you could come and be blessed by our knowledge of the law and our knowledge of this. And so it was nothing to have someone to be able to get in there. It was not a – and plus, I doubt he had armed guards there. But, but yeah. yeah, I go back to, you know, when she entered the room, every eyebrow raised, the whispers began, what, who, what is this? You know, and I'm sure – part of me wonders, was Simon even remotely embarrassed? Oh, my goodness, she's at my party. Or was she? he just thinking, hmm, this Here's is perfect. Yeah. yeah, okay, we've been trying to trip this guy up. Mm-hmm. This now ought we to got do it. it. This ought to do yep. it, yeah. I loved this line. You said, it's not about the amount of your sin, it's about the awareness of your sin. Yeah. I thought that was a great thing. And I, before I forget it again, the question I was going to ask, at that time with the Pharisees, what was the Pharisees' viewpoint on – 
if let's say we, we rewrote that story a little bit differently and the okay. lady had rather than doing what she did with Jesus walks up to the Pharisee and, and says I am I, I want to repent and change of my ways and and how can you help me become a better person like you is it right. what would the, would they have said uh-huh. sorry that ship sailed and you're uh, on your own or was there any of that at that time you, you know the thing of it is I think that's why when you look at John the Baptist and you look at Jesus' message at the very beginning and all the way through, it's not just at the beginning. It's a message of repentance. Mm-hmm. And it's a change of heart. It's a change of direction. It's a change of I'm headed this way and now I want to head this way. And so that's why the message was so well received and so this was new. It, it, there's one of repentance. It's not just. And so, yeah, they would, uh, I imagine, number one is, uh, as I said Sunday, uh, no woman would be invited to the Pharisee's house, much less a woman of period. Of Ill, no woman yeah, period. No woman period. Much less a woman of ill repute or uh, <laughs> a known sinner uh, that everybody knows who she is. Shame, shame. Uh, that she that, that they've never been invited. So I think honestly, if I had to answer the question just just off the top of my head, that there would be no no offer for that. There was no. Yeah, you, I mean, to them, I mean, they may say, "All right, that sounds good. You got to start doing these things." But I fully believe there was such a, I don't want to say, I don't want to say hatred, but there was such a condemnation of and staying away from those type of people that I don't, I think those people knew too. You quarantine the sinners. Why am I going there? Yeah, you just quarantine the sinners. And you you just keep them away and there's no coming to that. I mean, they're not, they're not coming to you or that. So I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how, how that, if, if that would ever have happened. I would love to have known. Two weeks ago, there was a, I think this was your uh, a more or less quote. You said, in following your religion, you've forgotten God's heart. Mm-hmm. That was from two weeks ago with the Pharisees. The Pharisees. Um, and then I just kind of boxed that. It's kind of interesting if you just put your religion versus God's heart. It's kind of what it comes down to. And then, I mean, it's, it's, it's not about yeah. the religious practices. It's about God's heart. Yeah. And then jumping back to this week, um, I mean, I even said on the show one time, the, the perception is that, Old Testament God versus New Testament right. God. He was mean in wrath, and now he suddenly became much nicer and yeah. more forgiving. You said he never changed. That's he right. did. God's heart's always been the same. Um, yeah. He was showing the the compassion, um, forgiveness, yeah. understanding that that was that's always been in God's heart. Mm-hmm. God allows U turns. That was a great line from right. two weeks ago too. Yeah. Well, and what it is is when the woman washed Jesus' feet. Uh, Pharisees, he judged the woman, but then he judged Jesus. And he says, well, Jesus ain't much of a prophet because if he was, again, remember, the mindset is i got to be separated. No, I'm not going to let a woman like that touch me, mm-hmm. uh, especially my feet or anything else. And so he's not a prophet. He's not much of a prophet. If he knew what if it was, he'd stop her. And so he was judging, judging him. And on the surface, seems like it might be decent logic. But then it falls apart because you begin to understand that, no, he, he totally forgot about, he threw out, didn't even have a premise of, well, wait a minute, isn't God compassionate? Isn't God merciful? Can God forgive? And, and so for the Pharisees, I don't think they ever saw God that way. Why is that? Why did the Pharisees not see the words that I've got written down here, compassion, concern, and forgiveness? Yeah. That Simon yeah, yeah. never considered God's compassion, forgiveness, or concern. So why did the Pharisees, being the biblical scholars that knew everything you could yeah, possibly no, know about yeah. all this, how did they backwards, memorize it? Right. How, how do they not see? How does he 
know it that well and not know that God has forgiveness, compassion, and concern for everyone. Well, I, I think it goes back to, and again, think about everything we've said since we started this program. <laughs> and I look back, it's been a while, but think about everything we said, that you can have a religion where I'm going to follow a set of rules or I can have a relationship. For the Pharisee, it was all about rule following. Now, if it's rule following, then what I've got to do is I've got to make sure I follow more rules than you do. And I got to make sure that I follow, uh, you know, and do it to a T. And then what happens oftentimes is we begin to kind of change the rules so we make ourselves look good. Mm-hmm. But then we're always going to be pointing at that person is sorry. I'm better than they are. Because that's what, at the very heart of it, when you begin to follow rules, man, you, you throw out compassion. And it's kind of like this. I think it's, um, you know, hey, look, I am all for let's, let's follow the laws of the land. All right. At the same time, there are times when justice and mercy and some sometimes they come together. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think uh, I think of uh, Kali. Uh, it's not because I'm cultured by no means, uh, <laughs> but I think of the play Les Mis. I mean, he's stealing mm-hmm. food. Why? To feed his family. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's that. I mean, to me, okay, I'm going to be a little less judgmental on someone that can't feed his family and he has to steal to feed them. All right, I'm going to be more compassionate towards that. I'm yeah. not saying it's right. I'm yeah. just saying I'm probably going to show more mercy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again. But the Pharisees wouldn't. No, they would it's say, the law. Stole, that's it's the it. law. That's yeah. right. And, yeah. and the law is the law. And if you can't follow the law, get out of here, sinner. Because I am. And look how good I do it. Yeah. One of the things that um, your last point from Sunday was not in the bulletin, but I loved it. Uh, yeah. Do you criticize you, you, your, your four, four, um, four ponderings? Four ponderings. That's yeah. what it was. Go so, and think about this. Yeah. So first one you said to ponder was, do you criticize Christ for who he forgives? No. <laughs> That's a and, good and I really should have been more of, do you criticize those he's forgiven? But mm-hmm. I thought about, you know what? Let's put a little extra emphasis on this is, you know, we, we can be, if Christ is willing to forgive anyone, let, let's not, uh, and we're judgmental of that, then who are you judging, really? It's yeah, not I, a person. I'm glad you did it that way because I think that's a, a more, um, it gets to the heart of it more, that if you want to criticize the people that Christ forgave, you are f- criticizing him for his forgiveness. You're judging his forgiveness yeah. in a way there. And, and, and you're also criticizing, as James says, when you have someone that's created in the image of God and you slander someone, no, that's someone created in his image, so stop it. <laughs> and I'm going to skip one, yep. and then we'll get back to it. Um, does your conduct reflect your conversion? Mm-hmm. And that ties closely to what John's saying in that, it, and, or actually I'm, it was Jesus who said, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. Right. It's not if you follow my commands, Did you get to love me. me. Mm-hmm. If you love me, you'll follow your commands. I, you love Renee. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Your faithfulness to Renee is not because you're afraid of her leaving you if you don't. Right. Your faithfulness to her is because you want to be faithful to her. Right. You love her. It's out of that love for her. So hmm. I think that that was, I hate to say you don't cheat on Renee because of that, but that is kind of what, you're right. keeping the law of marriage or relationships. That's a pretty universal one, right? If you're right. married, you only stay with that one person. But your decision to only be with Renee is not just because you're afraid of losing her. You don't want to be with anyone else. It's because of that love for her. It's it's that love for her. And then also, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, is I don't want to break the heart of the one who loves me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the, you know, what's my motivation for living a, a, a surrendered life? What's my motivation for surrendering and walking in the Spirit is I know the price that was paid for me. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to you know the point that I think the second pondering was uh do you do you, do you are you considered or do you think about how much you've been forgiven? 
to the, to something to that extent. And and if you know how much you've been forgiven, I don't want to sin against the God that loves me like that. Um, and that was way. the reason Even that I do, and I, and it breaks my heart. But that's that's really the the gist of it. And the reason that I skipped over that was I feel like it might be a little bit of a longer point, and right. that is that there was a point early on the show, like second first second episode that i talked about not having a whole lot of guilt and i say i don't i don't carry guilt a whole lot with it i try to forget that you know yeah. i made my mistake repent move it's, on. Just, it's forgiven you don't want to carry the guilt around but you don't want to forget what you were forgiven of either i think Never that's one that i've slipped into a little bit lately it's probably being a little bit i've kind of you just forget it you, yeah. you know you you you're it's in the past it's over god forgave me but then right. you still do need to remember and you said i want you don't you every single day you want to remember the the what he saved you from. Yeah, yeah. Who who I was. So how do you balance that without getting guilty and feeling like you're you're drowning yeah. or or uh, remi- that's a great question because I think it's one of I think it's one of knowing wh- what he saved me from and the price that was paid. I, I always want to remember that. Uh, Paul says in First Corinthians six nineteen, you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. Never forget the price that was paid. Uh, number two is I want to remember, God, you, you saved me from, from wrath, condemnation. You saved me from eternal judgment. You, you saved me, so I'm, I'm going to remember that and celebrate the fact that I'm forgiven and free. And I'm a child of God. And, and then I think the other thing is is when, you know, rather than dwelling on, and then, oh, yeah, that one thing I did back in, you know, 95 or mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, uh, rather than letting that be something that causes me guilt, no, I remember that's forgiven. Yeah. And I rejoice in the fact of, even if it does get brought to mind, no, it's covered. Yeah. And I, I can walk in that. And so, yeah, I think there's a big difference. And it's one of, you know, never forget your raise and never forget where you're from. I, I never want to forget where I'm from. And Matthew never did. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, when he described himself in the book of Matthew, he said, the tax collector. Well, Nobody and, else did. And Paul never did either. Yeah. You said, I think it was Sunday you said in Second Timothy, at the end of his life, he's still calling himself the chief, chief of sinners. Chief of sinner. And yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. And you, you started more churches, written more letters. You've done more. But, yeah, the ultimate missionary, and he still sees himself as the chief of sinners. And he'll even talk about, and I even, you know, persecuted the church. I was a blasphemer. I, I mean, he never forgot where he came from. At the same time, he also knew who he was in Christ. Yeah. That's the balance that you have to have is remind yourself who you are in Christ as well. Something that um, I've been kind of waiting maybe for the time to say this, it doesn't really fit into a show, mm-hmm. um, but I'll tell you, Christian has shown me something recently over the last few weeks that I've really noticed that I've, even more so than Gabe or Reese ever did, and Gabe especially wants to please, like right. he hates to disappoint people, he hates to get in trouble, cannot stand to get in trouble. But <laughs> I've seen something in Christian lately where, when he kind of got, you remember the story that I told a few weeks ago where the kids came running upstairs to tell me he had said Lord's name in vain and he just had that brokenhearted look on his face. Mm-hmm. But I've seen that in a lot of different ways. He He's always coming over after he, when I say, you know, Christian, don't do that. Simple and innocent enough thing to say, Christian, don't do that. It might not right. have been a big deal. And he'll come over and say, am I in trouble? And I'll, no, buddy, you're not in trouble. Just, just don't do that. You know, okay. He's really worried about not wanting to be in trouble. Yeah. But <laughs> there have been two or three times... <laughs> But he has been a little trouble, okay? (laughs) When when those times come, and I mean, there was one, I don't remember the exact situation, but he asked me straight, am I in trouble? And I said, yeah, you are in trouble. You could have punched him upside the face. It wouldn't have made his heart look any more broken than it did right then. And it was the most pitiful thing in the world. But at the same time, it was like, 
that's what I'm supposed to look yeah, like. That's, that's what my sin's supposed that's to feel like. Yeah. And, and I think and it's, it's not because, of, oh, no, he's going to kill, he's going to hurt me or whatever. I mean, he was, it was the disappointment. He did not want to disappoint me. He broke it, it, it kills him to yeah. think that he, that the person that he loves and idolizes yeah, and is chasing dad. around like yeah, crazy. I broke his heart. Broke his heart, and you can see that look that, in his face. You got it. You nailed it. That's that's the that's the same feeling that we are to have. Yeah, and uh, that's that godly sorrow that uh, that Paul talks about in Corinthians, uh, chapter seven of Second Corinthians, of that godly sorrow leads to repentance. It's not just being sorry. No, it's man. I know what this did. But I tell you what, as a dad, when you see that look on his face. You can't stay mad. No, it's, it's <laughs> you know, one like, of, okay, I'm glad. I'm, it's one of it all you want to do is give him a hug. And yeah. say, it's okay, bud. And this it's is, one of being thankful that he's got a soft heart towards that stuff. Because uh, listen, there are many youngin', uh, you know, I know some I can name. Uh, <laughs> man, they, they ain't no sorrow in that man. They, 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 they just mean. Well, and we all, and you've seen the kid that you can tell him a hundred times until they finally say, "Fine, I'm sorry." Okay, well, that's way different than, I'm not even sure if Christian said I'm sorry. His yeah. face said all yeah, he needed to right. say. He didn't have you know? to say it. And which of those two is more forgiven? You know that's what right. I mean? Like, that's the right. one who reluctantly on the hundredth time finally yeah. said the words? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it, and I think you're right. And I think it's one of, uh, yeah, I'd much rather have a soft-hearted uh, child that, hey, it can because that can be molded, and that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you want, yeah. versus somebody, the child that, barely ever does any introspection, looks mm-hmm. inside and says, mm, maybe it's me. Well, and you said that, that that heart could be molded. Yeah, I think that's what God's looking for among things, other things is a heart, heart. a heart that can be molded, you know, so that he, he can work through you through his spirit. Mm-hmm. And yep. you, you see that with the children of Israel. Uh, he oftentimes calls them uh, stiff-necked and hard-hearted mm-hmm. because a hard heart, and you can't break through. No, yeah. no seed's going to penetrate as you know we look. We saw in Luke or any other places that that seed of the word is not going to break through a hard ground. No, you need a a farrowed or a plowed, not nice and soft that you can plant into, and and then a hard heart and a you know stiff neck. Stiff neck means I'm not even going to look any other way. I'm 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 bound by to have my way. The the parable I think in is it four is it uh, forty through forty three yeah, Luke eight the debtor forty three. Um, one was forgiven five, uh, 50, the other one was forgiven 500, which one was, and then you said that the, the thing that people forget there is that neither one of them could repay. Yeah. One was drowning in 50 feet of water. The other was drowning in 500 feet of water. They're both drowning. Who cares? Yeah. What's yeah. the difference? Yeah. And, and to look over there and say, but we in society, guy. a lot of times we say, well, we're only drowning in 15 feet of water. So we're fine. It's like, who cares? Dead's dead. Yeah. <laughs> you can drown in two drowning. feet of water, right? That's I right. mean, so who, what difference does it make? But it's the dumbest thing in the world to argue about what, what, who's drowning in yeah. less water. Or small, medium, and large. Dead's dead. Yeah, you like, like that. Yeah. You said you can't. Order my fries. <laughs> How do you I'm order your fries? Yeah. supersize it. Uh, and, and, you know, we do. We, we rate them. But mm-hmm. God sees sin. But God also sees, hey, there's a, and like I said, there's never been a sinner. Never. Never been a sinner who comes to Jesus with a genuine, repentant heart that he has ever turned away. Mm-hmm. And that's, that to me is, man, that's the good news. Is that man? He is not not looking to condemn you. He's looking to forgive you. Yeah, I don't think I have this written down, but I think you said something to the tune of like it's it's easier for the person who's 
safe from the 500 feet of water to maybe be appreciative than the person who was safe from the five. You shouldn't be probably. Right. It's the same no, outcome. No. And, and I think that's where, you know, the, the whole gist of the, the parable is, it's not the amount, it's the awareness. Right. And for, for, for Jesus to ask, okay, who's going to love more? The one I forgave 500 denarii or the one that I forgave 50? And Simon, even even though he hated to say it, well, I suppose it is the one who was forgiven more. And, and, and that's where he says, yeah, he who is forgiven more loves more. And, and but, so, but, but that's, that's maybe where I'm, that's where I was going with it. He who's forgiven more loves more. Right. Okay, well. And again, not the amount, the awareness. And I think it's one of me understanding one sin is enough to send me. So my so. challenge there is that, okay, let's, sorry to use you, but you're the only other one in the room. If we compare <laughs> me and you, I'd say I've probably been forgiven more than you have right. just by right. giving myself more opportunities, okay? Okay. So how do you make sure that you love more, or how do you make sure I don't love more for that? Because that's got to be, right. that's where you're, I think that's where that self-righteous heart can come from sometimes, is that person who doesn't feel like they've done that much can that's fall it. into that trap. Uh, that that's exactly right, and I think that's where again, not the amount, it's the awareness. Yeah. And for me, it, it may not be okay. I was out selling drugs, or I I did this, or I did those. You know, because I used to think, all right, this is I got to have one of those testimonies. I lived under a bridge. Yeah. yeah. Did all these things. I slapped. You talked women. about that Sunday. I love yeah. that. Yeah. That's not that's not what Jesus is saying there. Jesus is saying when you understand what forgiveness is. Whether we've had 50,000 or we've had 500 or 50, uh, it is knowing that, no, forgiveness came at a great price. Mm-hmm. For, for the money lender, it cost him 550 denarii yeah. to forgive both of them. Mm-hmm. It was a great price. Yeah. Uh, and so for God himself, it was a great price that I was, I was forgiven. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, understanding that makes me to say, okay, now I understand that I love much. Yeah. And then, you know, going to John, think about it. I, and I, I don't know that I hit on it that much Sunday like I wanted to. Uh, John, John basically equates love to obedience. Mm-hmm. If you love, if you love me, you're going to obey me. So, so then let's let's carry that out. Luke says uh, in that parable, "He who is forgiven much loves much." Well, then let's just take it to the conclusion: He who is forgiven much obeys much, mm-hmm. and that's that's where the change. Knowing I've been saved, knowing I've been uh, uh, made a child of God, now I, w- I want to obey much. And I think that kind of goes back to what we were touching on a minute ago of. Don't ever forget, you know, do you consider how much you've been forgiven in your yeah. ponderings? Is that if you ever forget, then it, the extension of that is the love kind of drips or dri- it is. fades I mean, off a little it, bit. You, you can go into autopilot. I think mm-hmm. what can oftentimes happen is is we walk with the Lord for so long and we can we, we kind of get that heart of a Pharisee of, God, you, I'm so glad you got me. You better be glad I'm on your team. I do all these things, and we can become very self-righteous real quick. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes we begin looking down at others, we begin criticizing others, and realizing that, no, we're all in this boat together, and we've all uh, fallen from grace, and it's only by the grace of God that I'm who I am or saved. Um, I, I love the sign or the, the picture that's hanging up down here, and I've never seen it, I don't think, if I hadn't had to come down here and get my picture taken Sunday right. after church, but you've got a, a, a sign somewhere down here that says we're all in the same boat, let's keep it afloat. Yeah. I took a picture of it on Instagram because <clears throat> I thought, yeah, that's exactly, I think, kind of the thing that I'm trying to get out here with this whole, like, working together instead of against each other, we're all 
horrible and rotten compared to him. Right. So, like, there's really not much of a – I heard a, an analogy the other day – or not an analogy. It's somebody uh, was talking about the, the curvature of the earth. Right. And that basically, if you look at the elevation change from the depths of the marina, the, the deepest trench, Grand uh, Marina, the yeah, the yeah. ocean to the top of Mount Everest, the scale of that compared to the overall scale of the earth means that if you were up at, in space at a far enough distance, it's like your fingerprints right. is, is how much of an indention there is. Oh, okay, well, that's really kind bad. of where our sin is. From God's perspective, you can't tell the difference between my sin and your sin. Right. It's so microscopically small at that scale, right. the difference between it. But... From our perspective, it's easy to look at. We'll look at the mountain of yeah. that sin. Look how bigger that one. is. But to him, it's okay. nothing. We're all in the same. It, it's yeah. all the same to him from his perspective. Yeah, and, and and when you understand the wages of sin is death, I mean, you 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 begin to comprehend just how great your forgiveness is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's the key to. I really want to say this. I think that is the key to every bit of this walking by faith. It's the key to carrying out the one sixty seven. Is no, I've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. And it didn't come easy. It cost Christ everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't earn it. It was a free gift. And therefore, now I, lo- I live different. I walk different. I think different. I view people different because, yeah, there's a change from the inside out. And you've said before, and we've hit on it a bunch, that if you have that understanding, you can. there is no way you can have pride. There's no way you can have pride. <laughs> well, you, you, the, you can. It's just you've you've missed. You've gotten away from the basics. And but you're right. That it that there is something that, uh, and I believe that's one of the keys too. Is is that that creates a humility. You can definitely fall back into the trap sure. of pride, but I'm but saying you, you can't be, be simultaneously thinking about the magnitude of what Jesus did for you and simultaneously thinking about that's how much right. pride, that, how, how good I am. There's no way those two that's can right. coexist. Yeah, they're totally opposite. So that's I think that that in itself was one of the reasons that Jesus. Jesus had so much uh, woe and condemnation for those that were the Pharisees, because wait a second, you, you you think you're doing this on your own and you're not. I mean, well, and when we talk about Christ paid a, a pretty heavy price for that, that was that's a key point that doesn't need to be missed. There is that that forgiveness wasn't free, as you said. Right. The the debtor in that parable, he had to write off that five fifty. It yeah, wasn't so, free. So I, I almost brought in uh, with student loans. So, you know, somebody's paying. <laughs> somebody's paying for it. That's right. Um, but I think a really really key point again, something that I thought about a while ago, and it's just not really come up. But we think about the physical pain and right. the anguish of that, and yes, it was an excruciatingly horrible death. Um, but even you said on that show when we talked about that that I mean people have hung on a cross for days. Jesus yeah, was yeah. only up there for six hours. Right. But the the spiritual pain, all of that. Ra- yeah. But here is the thing: it's not just the wrath that he felt. I put this in my notes as something not to forget. If you know, whenever it came up, if anybody has ever had that feeling of guilt or that things aren't going your way or something, you kind of feel like, man, God doesn't like me. God doesn't, you know. Get- well, God loves us, right? But in that moment. He felt all of God's hate. Yeah. Because God hates sin. It's God's wrath. So God's, not only yeah. did he feel all that physical pain and the separation from God and the emptiness of not having that presence of the Father to help him through that, but no, he felt the hatred yeah. of why, his Father. Why have you forsaken me? That child, like like Christian, coming running to me, yeah. that Jesus felt that way as a, as the Father said, "No, get away from yeah. me. I won't. I, I I don't care if you're sorry. Yeah. Get away from me." That's the kind of pain that he had to suffer. Yeah. So that we could be forgiven. And so, yeah, even even though the pain, the nails and the sword and everything else was very painful, mm. pales in comparison 
Dude, what, and and think, he loved the most was, hated him in that moment, or that's what he's, right. that's his, that was his. And I think that was one of those reasons that why at the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, Lord, if there's any other way that this cup can pass, because I think he knows all of God's wrath is about to be poured out on him. And that's a lot of wrath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's just that's, me, yeah. that's a lot of wrath. Yeah. Now multiply that times 8 billion people on the earth and how many people have been on the earth all together, and all their sin are the ones that, you know, it is poured out on Christ. Shifting back to John for just a second here. Yeah. I think we're getting a little close on time here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, real yeah, close there. on time here. So um, <laughs> as I was kind of going through and, and putting things together for and organizing my, my different verses that I highlighted, I, I noticed something. I uh, had these going into three categories, um, yep. judgment, love, and abiding, and ask anything in my name to receive it. And I noticed First John 3.21, I put that in a category. And then I looked to the next one. I was like, oh, I got 322. It goes to a category. And then I got another one, 23 and 24, went to another category. I said, well, if you add all four of those together, I kind of feel like that kind of hits a lot of high notes. So read for me. If you can pull it up, or yeah. read um, 1 John 3, 21 through 24. Right. I feel like it was kind of – I don't think it's – I'd go so far as to say it summarizes it all nice and tidily, but it, it does hit on all of those themes that John hits on. All right, we're we're starting in 21? Yeah, 21, yeah. All right, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we believe <laughs> in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Verse 24, the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given I think that's a good synopsis of the entire book of John. If you, from what you've been, you know, you went through and all the different things of abiding obedience, love, uh, the Spirit of God, uh, praying, asking. Yeah, I think that is by far. Well, the Spirit of God gives you the peace to know that you're forgiven, which is then going to give you that love. And then with that love, you can't have a whole lot of pride, and you're going to want to pour that love out to other people and to share that love to other people. And in that, you're abiding in Christ, which is what I mean. Like, it, it, You take all those things, and you even said on the show before, like this is starting to dovetail a little bit. Like, yeah. I feel like those four verses put together dovetails a whole lot of Christianity and what it's supposed to be about. That might right? be the other 167 we're looking for. It, 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 it really is, because so much of Christianity we've turned it into ranking sin so that we can get in and making sure that we're good. And, and, and that's where we, we miss all of this so much mm-hmm. in that you, and, but it does take the spirit sure. to really get down to that. If you, if you just start reading the Bible or you're mm-hmm. just going to church and you're just checking off those legalistic boxes, you're not going to get that feeling. And that's, and you might be able to go to church and it, and this is what I did for most of my life. Go to church, and now I'd be good for the rest of the day. I got me a little shot of Jesus, right? I can get <laughs> yeah. through the rest of the day. But you're not going to get through the other 167 without that spirit dwelling in you. Right. That's what you have to do. Yeah, and, and it all starts, first and foremost, with, with coming to the cross. It starts with salvation. Right? That's where you get the spirit, and then walking by the spirit each week. But you're exactly right. That's, and I think therein lies the, what, what a relationship's about. Yeah. And I think it also really hits on why the relationship aspect, it, it can't just be a checking boxes because that, that relationship that's there, I mean, and you're not going to keep keep it perfect. Trust me, I had a terrible day yesterday and I am like just fighting like crazy, white knuckling, trying to get through and just, you know, uh, but but that's where the, it, it's by the grace of God you ever pull it off. Right. And you just and you just have to be grateful for the times that, that he, you are able to. Right. <laughs> but, and to know that you never really deserved it in the first place, honestly. If you're That's being. it. And, and I, think, I think it goes back to, think about how good he's been to us 
and how faithful he's been to us. And I mean, goodness, merciful, compassionate. Uh, you, you begin to think, and I think, I think maybe that's a piece of it too, uh, man. It, we, we've been thinking about is uh, it, it goes back to that view of God. Do I see him as being, okay, I got to follow these rules. He's a drill sergeant. Or do I see him as he is loving, gracious, compassionate? Yes, he has righteous indignation towards sin and he hates it and there's going to be wrath. At the same time, this same God that loves us offers us a, a way out of that wrath through his son on the cross. Yeah, and I think it also goes to, I'll, I'll touch on this real quick. I don't think it's worth a whole lot, but that pride and that, you know, we, we talk a lot about not judging others, mm-hmm. okay? But I, I've also, I think, kind of said on here, we don't get to judge ourselves either. We don't get to decide what's right or wrong in our own lives. We don't no, get to have that. No, we're, we're not you know, the judge of, of what's right and wrong. But I think a lot of times I, we always look at that and say, okay, well, you don't get to decide what you're allowed to do right. and get away with, but you also don't get to decide that a certain sin from your past is so bad that it's not forgivable and, and hold right. on to that yeah. guilt either. Yeah, well, you, you have to you let just go put yourself that. above God. Right. He, if God's forgiven you, you don't get to say that you know more. I think there are people out there, though, oh, yeah. that, that really struggle with it, that God's forgiven you, but you think, well, I'm, I can't forgive him. Okay, well, that's a little bit of self-righteousness, too, there in a weird kind of backhanded way oh, because is. now you're choosing that you, you are better than God. You know more than him because Romans 8 says, who can bring a charge? against God's elect. If God has forgiven them, who can bring a charge against them? We bring charges against ourselves. And we Otis, forgive ourselves. Otis and Andy Griffith yeah. put himself in jail. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think we do that and so, sometimes. And knowing that, and that's, that's the thing, when people walk around, and we, we've, we had a show on uh, guilt, but mm-hmm. when people walk around with, with guilt from things they did in the past that God's forgiven, all you're doing is you're just basically saying, well, God, I know you forgave me. I know you as a judge said, no, I, hey, I've already punished it. But you want to you wanna say, well, but you're not good enough. I know more. And therefore, I'm going to punish myself or I'm going to walk around in that guilt. Dumb. Yeah. I mean, dumb as it can be because, no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Romans 8 is uh, not that, that that needs to be our topic next, but I think that's a, uh, to me, Romans 8 is one of the chapters in the Bible that, uh, whoo, I mean, I, I have preached through Romans 8 and it took me a good solid, oh man, four weeks and a month. It was a solid good three weeks. It might be where we go next because I've been trying to decide. And I'm sorry, three months. I stayed in Romans 8 that long. Yeah. It was verse by verse, section by section, that it is just deep. Well, and I, I've been trying to think about where I wanted to go next because mm-hmm. I've just finished the all four Gospels. Um, and I, I've been kind of playing hopscotch a little bit because you got right. Thursday morning crowds got me reading on in Revelation a little bit. And I've, I've been trying to get through the Gospels. And then I've been kind of bouncing through the New Testament from what we talk about here. Romans is one of those that I might go next um, in my own prayer, in my own scripture time. I'll just go ahead and let you know, if we get into Romans, it's some deep, my, deep waters, and that's fine. Well, you know me. It's, it's deep, <laughs> and uh, you you will um, take your time, because it's, uh, it's a good one. Yeah. But uh, Romans, Romans, oh man, it, that that to me is the, I don't know, I don't even know how to put it, the, the coup de grace, if you will, of Paul's writings. Yeah. I and mean, it is the crown jewel that, man... We will be deep into there. Um, that's why I was like, just pick one chapter and we'll go there first. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will uh, pin it up for now. All uh, right. 
But just uh, finishing up here, y'all love each other and forgive yourselves. <laughs> abide, love, abide, obey, love. and ask anything in his name. That's right. <laughs> um, also, we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all kinds all of right. stuff now. I'll put look links there, in man. there if y'all want to check us out. So. And look, man, I, I know I gave a shout-out to my friend that drives to Durham. I, I, man, I just want to say shout-out to you, man. You do you put this thing together. I don't know the first thing about I do know that's a phone, <laughs> and I, but I don't know that you can do recording and all that, so I appreciate you putting all this together. I know you go through and you edit it and so i appreciate that well i i i get more out of it than y'all do so yeah. i'm it is well, absolutely my privilege it, and it's been kind of cool <laughs> i've had several folks from the church that are starting to listen and just say man i love it it kind of carries me a little bit deeper than the sermon you know i can you know, questions that are asked so it's a great ministry and i appreciate it i love it i love doing it and i appreciate your time uh doing it brother all right man <laughs> thank you man god bless you too